Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we're, we're actually, we're very grateful you are here because without listeners, uh, we wouldn't be doing this <laughs> show and podcast. <laughs> no kidding. So we appreciate you. And as you know, this, uh, this program, uh, we are both financial advisors, practicing advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We spend our weekdays helping people plan their financial futures. We come and broadcast on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. And we love helping people sort through their financial uh, matters that they've got going on. And sometimes just a second opinion. Sometimes people are being pitched a concept or an idea and uh, want to check in and get our, our professional opinion on it. And uh, other times it's basic questions like how do I prepare for retirement appropriately? And are stocks risky? Are stocks risky? Are stocks risky? The question I get often, are stocks, investing in the stock market, risky? And I keep thinking about this inflationary environment. People call it the stock market like it's... Like it's one big... I don't know. Are investing in antique cars risky? (laughs) Are investing in art risk? It probably depends on lots of things, right? Lots and lots of things. But we are absolutely moving into an inflationary environment. Um, You know... Six months ago, the Fed said it was transitory, it wouldn't last. Um, I, I always had my doubts because inflation is... Well, trans- whatever transitory means, the prices aren't going back down. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So the question, are, are they going to accelerate at the same rate for an extended period of time or pick up? But we are in an inflationary environment um, through either shrinkage from products we talked about it a week ago or two weeks ago on the show where the, uh, you'll see services starting to be diminished but the same prices, which is bringing the cost of goods sold down internally. Um, but this supply chain thing is real and uh, we haven't begun to see the effects of it. And by the way, I keep reading articles that said there'll be no Christmas this year. Well, there'll be a Christmas this year. <laughs> <laughs> I think the people that write those articles are kind of missing the point of Christmas. <laughs> Just because it's not a consumer Christmas doesn't mean there no, isn't and Christmas. We've got Halloween this weekend, and uh, apparently there's not as many costumes as people wanted. Okay. I don't know. When I was a kid, my parents didn't exactly say, (laughs) here's a nice little chunk of money to go buy a costume you can wear once. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that. (laughs) I don't know how many times I was a hobo. Oh, everyone. (laughs) Right. Everyone. So there will be a Halloween. I don't know if you can use that term anymore, by the way. Oh, the hobo. We got a a whole list of words we can't say anymore. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, it's a financial show. We like to talk about financial matters, and we like taking your calls. But uh, to the point on... um, Inflation. It's interesting, and we've got an energy crisis brewing that I don't think people there's not enough, there's not enough discussion of it right now because you, obviously we can all feel it at the price of the pump. You wait till the heating people get their heating bills in North oh. America. Ga- natural gas prices are through the roof. Which you think back three, four years ago, natural gas was like they were. It's like we we need to burn this stuff well, off. We have keep, no place. You keep shutting things down is the problem, right? Yeah. So we've limited uh, supply we, and demand. Actually, actually goes together. Yeah, and it's not just the U.S. Europe is in a much worse situation. Terrible. They've been trying to get this pipeline built, natural gas pipeline from Russia. Uh, it's just an I- irony because just this last week too is when they're all meeting on the Brussels on climate issues, uh, and we're burning more coal now than ever. And China's they've had their worst energy crisis in two decades. Yeah, and they're actually just burning open, all kinds of coal. Anything. They're it's, burning whatever they can. Yeah, so the question is if that will have uh, the a bit of a slowdown on the economy, which could. Yeah. It's a weird time. Yeah, and will it be inflationary? Absolutely. How inflationary will it be? Well, we'll find out. No one knows. No one knows. But we haven't been, this isn't the first time we are in uncharted waters and uncertain times. 
<laughs> right? No. I mean, that's the, that's how the world kind of goes. It just uh, goes through different kinds of cycles. and Yeah, we talked about it a few weeks ago at the beginning of the uh, pandemic when the stock market fell, what was it, 30 40%? So quickly. So quickly. And the world was coming to an end. And what, less than two years later, you look back at it and you're like, can you believe this, the rally in the stock market? Oh, and this year, like, goes higher and higher. Of course, this, this last, we have uh, Trump's back. Oh, yes, that was interesting. <laughs> that actually, who knows the value of that, what that could, yeah. uh, what media empire he can, he can create with that thing. Oh, he, there, there may be a large enough audience. He might have a, a daily show. Uh, who knows where he's yeah. going with all this? Yes, yes. But he's yeah. he was banned on Twitter, and it's a, his his workaround was to create your own. Uh, and that's worth what eight billion dollars or something. Investors bid that up. We saw Tesla uh, go over a trillion dollars this uh, last week. So Hertz announced they're going to buy a hundred thousand vehicles. The market value of the company goes up one hundred million dollars as a result. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about that. Yeah, there, it, it, Tesla's worth more than like every other automobile manufacturer combined, at least all the majors. Yeah, I you got to give it to Elon Musk. He knows oh. how to market. He knows how to market, and he has he's got a, a unique ability in these last few uh, companies that he did to actually have some sort of government subsidy involved oh. in all of them, right? SpaceX, government, Solar City. Government subsidized, and then electric vehicles, government subsidized. Well, I was, I was Either reading at the that state and federal he, level. They, they get subsidies. He, um, Tesla gets subsidies for selling these cars, and then I, I believe it's in the latest legislation that uh, Hertz gets uh, some subsidy for buying electrical vehicles in this new climate stuff they're putting forth. So, yeah, well, it changes market conditions. Obviously, when the government comes in and actually decides how the market's yes. going to react by subsidizing one player over the other. Which I think is what is interesting, all this discussion of the new spending packages, whatever they're calling them, and, and the tax taxation on it, now the tax of billionaires and all that stuff. And the question is, like, what are the ramifications, the unintended consequences? Yeah. We saw a tax reform act of uh, 1986 essentially decimated the SNL industry. Ruined Do savings it. and loans even exist anymore? I don't know. Uh, yeah, they do. Uh, but most of them have been gobbled up, though. Um, or went out of business. 80, 86 or went out of business. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, but whatever we're dealing with will pass, and yeah. there'll be some new challenges added. This, too, shall pass. 833-99-WORTH is the contact number if you would like to be part of our program. 833-99-WORTH. And let's start off in Northern California with David. David, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Good morning, guys. Uh, hi, just a brief, I'm 56 years old. Uh, I have a daughter in college and another as a senior in high school. So I really expect to retire probably six years. All right. Um, so, gosh, back 2010, after the 2008 meltdown, uh, I drank the dividend investing or dividend growth investing Kool-Aid and slowly converted all of my uh, basically mutual funds that were offered through the, my company 401k and rolled them into a self-directed account. Okay. And so now that account is worth about $1.2 million uh, of about a hundred of the, a million of it. I manage myself. I've got $200,000 with a wealth management guy who really isn't doing anything for me. And I probably will fire him in January <laughs> okay. and, roll that money back to me. Well, basically, he, he, I get charged $180. He's not adding any value to you, apparently, obviously. <laughs> yeah, not, no value at all. Yeah, okay. it's something that I can do myself. Yeah. yeah. So, but now I'm, you know, I, I manage this portfolio. It takes some time. When you I said, have, so I'm confused. But, you said dividend and growth. Is it dividend div or growth? Yeah, so basically... Because typically, so gro basically, just typically I mean, growth stocks don't pay dividends. They reinvest their their, their profits, I, and I know, so yeah. the div the dividend is growing. So all, all the almost all of the companies I have pay a dividend, and they increase it every year. So dividend growth investing. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. So so what happens yeah, yeah, is yeah. It, it has a tendency to be more and on value. the value spectrum of growth versus value, yeah. um, which has yeah. not served you well in the last ten years. 
as well. Well, it served them well, but as well as as it, (laughs) it should say, it didn't serve you as well as it could have. If you had a right. more uh, balanced portfolio, balanced uh, across the equity right. spectrum, correct? With yeah, I, I think that's probably. I mean, I, I'm fairly well diversified, but yeah, it is, and that's really the 200 grand over with the other guy is is more growthy. But again, you know the 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 900 thousand I have that I play with is yeah, it's definitely more dividend growth. I mean, that's I'm shooting for you know like a four percent return. Okay, uh, dividend. Uh, you know, four percent. Yeah. Okay. So, what's your question that, for my, us? That's my ultimate goal. So, but now what I've been thinking about lately is, uh, you know, would I be better served <laughs> uh, if I were to like move this to more of a passive type portfolio, just doing like a a basket of of ETFs, or I mean, like basically, what I've been playing. With, I've, I'm off this week, so I've been. Sitting, sitting in front of my computer running all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, so what do you, you think? Know, but I could do that. Well, see, that's the thing I can, I can, but again, I'm, I've got that, that 4%, you know, mind meld that I'm kind of, you know, but before you had that 4% it, mind meld, you had a different mind meld. So what you, I, what I hear you, you're calling us and saying, talk us, talk me out of this 4% mind meld that the dividends actually matter. <laughs> Almost. Yeah, it's it's like I I wonder if I could be better served with being a little bit more aggressive. Well, but, I mean, again, but it, it, it's only five years. But but let's so. let's let's just step back for a minute and think about dividend versus growth stocks. Why companies decide to pay a dividend versus why they actually decide to retain that income and invest it back in their own business. And it's typically because they don't have any other options. To do with the cash, number right. one or two, they've got a, sh- a shareholder base that's used to them, so they got to placate their shareholders to the point that sometimes companies that pay the highest dividends will actually borrow money to pay the dividend. It's not unusual to see that yeah. in the old uh, old line telecom or electrical utility companies. Um, so the the idea that that it you know that the dividend matters. I would be more concerned about the overall growth of these companies and the anticipated future growth of these companies. What would happen today if Amazon came out and decided to actually just decided to say, we're just going to start paying a 4% dividend on the stock price of our stock? What do you think would happen to that stock, Scott? It would probably dr- de- decline dramatically. They're like, would, uh-oh. <laughs> right? <It> would, <laughs> They've it, taken over everything so far, and it looks like they ran out of things to take over. That's what made my thought, right? Right? It would just come to a screeching halt. Or Bezos halt. is more interested in uh, his space station than he is in Amazon any longer. That's right. Right? So the, 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 Which he will be soon anyway. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah but, but he's Bezos. So if you think about the fundamentals behind a dividend versus a growth stock, they're paying a dividend because they think that you – or you demand it, that's why you bought the stock, and they need to pay this dividend in order to prop the stock price up, actually have a better use of that 4% dividend than take keeping it themselves and reinvesting. Right. Here's, the, here's I think, one of the dangers that you face with, your, with an unconventional strategy, which is really what this is, right? It's not the norm. It's unconventional. It's that when there are times of underperformance – You'll start questioning your strategy and want to move on to something different, which may be where we're sitting right now. Because if you look over the last decade, being in a total stock market fund probably would have performed. You probably would have a larger account balance today than if you the last 10 years. I would say significantly. Right. Okay. So. So just going from more of a total return versus. Well, that's how we manage money. That's we. And that's how most pension plans manage money. Right. And most financial advisors, frankly, and most people in retirement. That's so the, the, I guess your point being, Scott, is the minute he switches, the, the value well, stocks that he owns are going to start doing well. Right. <laughs> well, that, I mean, yeah. so it's in the primary reason underperformance, and I don't know, I have no idea what your performance is. I'm just knowing sure. know what the market, but value has underperformed the last decades plus, in large part because tech companies keep coming out with uh, new products and services that make things more productive right. and that consumers want and the businesses want, and, they, and they're growing much faster than the rest of the And they're spreading into things that you never thought tech companies would be in. Home delivery, well, right? Almost everything's tech. I mean, every, yeah. every industry relies heavily upon technology 
it more and more on an every on an annual basis. Yes. Right? So sure. Well, the, but but when you're a value investor, well, I mean, so I, you're I, precluded from a lot of that. Right. And I mean, I, I like I have. I'm I'm morbidly obese in uh, Apple, and every time I sell it, it goes back up. So I've decided that I'm it's it's ten percent of the portfolio. That's just what it's going to be. Oh, so you're um, not a hundred percent value. That's I mean I, that is. I wouldn't a, say a hundred percent. No, no, I wouldn't say a hundred percent value. And so, by the way, because what's Apple's in, yield? It's got to be less than it's less than two percent, isn't it? One percent? I mean, I haven't paid attention to that on the lead. Uh, what is it? Yeah, I got the look. I don't yeah. know if you're yeah. allowed to use 0. the word 9. morbidly 9, obese yeah. when you're describing a holding <laughs> yeah. in your portfolio. <laughs> I, 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 I thought you were going to talk about a shortened life expectancy for a moment there. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, uh, you but sh- no, I mean, well, if, if someone came to you and they had ten percent in one in one stock, ten percent of their portfolio in one stock, I don't it, have a problem with that. It, yeah, you it, would say, "Wow, you're over." Uh, depends on it. Depends on what the particular stock and was how much money somebody much has. Money if they, they can had. afford to, yeah. I don't necessarily have a problem if someone's got fifty percent in one stock. If they've got Jeff, a large enough portfolio, I have. I assure you that yeah. that Bill Gates has a large portion of his portfolio of Microsoft, and that's okay. I'm sure. Yeah, that's okay. So you you would be well served to take a more middle of the road approach. Uh. On the mm-hmm. overall portfolio now, recognizing that value has underperformed growth significantly in the last ten years, that you may not want to dive in all at once. You might want to scatter this over a three or four year period. But I personally never look at my portfolio for a dividend yield, Scott. Never. And nor do we look at our clients' uh, portfolios okay. for dividend yield. Yeah, I mean, it's, we, all about it's yeah, it's all about total. It's about total, total return, return, right? Through market cycles. And really, and then when right. it comes time for income, it's making sure we have money that's not tied in the stock market so we can draw upon those assets and not be forced to liquidate into stocks when the markets are down and wait for them to recover. So that's probably how... Uh, and, and your point on, on passive, I mean, the reality is the vast majority of active money managers, professional money managers, cannot outperform the market, whatever their specialty is. So if, it could be dividend right. stocks. That's why we see ETFs that specializes in, in dividend stocks. Most managers... Active managers can't outperform the market because the market's made up of all of us, right? And and every and there's a, there's a, some transaction costs along the way when we make when we make trades. So at, by its very nature, half, excluding half, are going to underperform and half will overperform. And then when you start adding in some of the the cost, in it reduces that further. So yeah, by that, its that, very nature, index uh, mutual funds actually perform the index, right? Mediocre. There's friction. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Well, that's yeah. Right. Because the portfolios don't manage. Themselves. So when you're managing, so anyone who's managing their own portfolio, picking their own individual securities, are basically stating that I, the understanding that most professionals who have degrees in these sort of things and have teams of people helping them, most of those people cannot outperform the underlying index, but yet I somehow can. That's what you have to be telling you. Yeah, and, and you took and maybe the, you can. And, and right. David, and you took the week off to do it, as you stated earlier. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm burning vacation. Okay. So. All right. Well, that's a good place to be. So I, I would hopefully this yeah. conversation helped, and I would take more of a middle of the road approach, and uh, just make sure that you've got enough money in the the cash side or bond side of the portfolio to weather markets once you retire. Um, three, five, six right. years down markets where you don't have to actually liquidate the stocks and don't pay any attention to the dividends. You're interested in total return, which is interest, dividend, and growth. Yeah. All it's right. easy to get fixated because okay. it feels more certain, but it's and not that, really more that's certain. Kind of where I feel it's I it's, might it's be, easy I might to, I mean, I get it. I, I have the same leanings. Remember the dogs of the Dow? Remember that old theory? What happened to that? Yeah, uh, yeah where you'd buy the highest yield. I haven't read about that in years. 30 years. That was a whole thesis. Years I haven't read ago. about that in years. Anyway, glad you called, David. We wish you well. Let's continue on talking with Jerry. Jerry, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hi, um, long-time listener. Appreciate you taking my call. Um, over the years, I recall you suggesting that if you're a high-income individual, it may not be advantaged to wait to collect Social Security at the at the uh, maximum age at 70 because of potential changes with means testing and things of that nature. Thank you. And um, I'm a I'm a retired now uh, and uh, have a high income based on pension and other investments. And I was uh, 
thinking of maybe it's about time to collect Social Security. Um, but I also I have a wife and she's not working, but she's eligible for Social Security. And she turned 65 in a, in a couple months. And I'm 66 now and I will turn 67 uh, in a few months. And according to the Social Security estimator, um, at 67, I could be collecting 3100 a month. And my wife at the present time, if at, when she turned 65, would be collecting uh, 1400 a month on Social Security. But somehow in the back of my mind, there's like a spousal provision. Yeah, where I think that she could she could she could collect. It used to be you can file and then pretend like you don't want the money. But you file, it's called file and suspend. You'd file it and you'd say, oh, right. don't send it to me. And, and then your spouse can automatically get triggered onto a spousal benefit um, early. But they've closed that provision. But what, could, that, but what could happen, I mean, your, your, your spouse could, con, could go on your benefit. Um, I'm sorry, collect, start collecting her benefit today at 1400 Continue that. You wait until age 70. That $3,100 a month will be worth more at age 70. Mm-hmm. Then she would, when right. you started yours, she would switch to basically 50% of your benefit. And when, if you predeceased her, her benefit would pop up to whatever yours is under current legislation. And what is your pension income? Uh, pension income's around uh, 114000 And what's your overall net worth excluding your uh, value of your home? Uh, net worth, uh, it's uh, about eight million. So you know, uh, we we watch this billionaire tax that's that's uh, being proposed right now to tax right. unrealized gains, and this is a fascinating. And um, a comment I heard by one of the legislators was, "Oh, I'm pretty sure uh, they can af- they can they can afford this without any sort of impact on their life." That's what the comment was from the like they can afford this without any sort of impact on their life. So, but but it. But it is a, uh, it's the beginning of that. Maybe, maybe. We'll see what, le- yeah, what legislation right. ends up. No, but if it, net, net, if it, worth is a, net worth is an income, though. No, no. Neither is the wealth tax. No, there is the wealth tax. Well, who's to say if yeah. you're, the Congress can't say if, you're, if your net worth is over $5 million, look, you need to pay your fair share to help in with the poor people that their Social Security is very limited and they have no other assets. Why should you have this huge Social Security income when these other people can't even afford to pay rent? So, so back. I'm to, not saying it's r- right or wrong. I'm just saying these are the sort of discussions. Right. So, that so we we don't we know means testing actually takes place in Social Security, but it's a hidden means testing through taxation. Through taxation. So if you go back 30 yeah. years ago, Social Security used to never be taxed. Now it's taxed at incomes over. 25,000 as an individual, 32,000 as a couple, 50% of that social security benefit. I mean, and, and frankly, to, to answer your question, we, we can make up an answer, but the, the best way to do it is to, is to run through some numbers, mm-hmm. right? With your overall situation, not just the social security calculator, your overall situation along with that and do some different what-if scenarios. What's, a, what's your net worth look like at age 80 if you stake social security today? What's your net worth look like at age 80 if... Your spouse takes it, you wait and start taking it at age 70, right? You, so you can run some of these sort of calculations, mm-hmm. and then you could step back and say, what happens in if in 2031 or 32, whenever the Social Security is supposed to be bust, what happens if I have a 30% reduction in benefits at that time? What would that look like to my overall net worth? So we do a Social Security workshop where we actually show the modeling on this. It doesn't take into the fact, it only takes into the fact of current tax code. Would I worry if my income was $114,000, whether they would uh, start clawing I back might some, not. I may not. I if mean, it, obviously, you're in a fantastic, but maybe how much do you have in retirement accounts, IRAs? and? Oh, um, almost a million between the two of us. Yeah, so you're going to have, you'll be forced with some required minimum distributions on those. Right. So right. You, you, you can find yourself very easily with a retirement income north of a couple hundred thousand. Right. Would I take it today? 67? 65? <laughs> I would. I would. That that was my inclination, but I wanted to... I would, too. Talk to... Yeah. I would. Talk to somebody about I, it. You know, you, know, you know why they're talking about the billionaire tax? It's because they actually have the, the money to pay it. And so... It, and no one can feel sorry for... 
Yeah, but no one's feeling sorry for Jerry right now. He's worth $8 million, got an income of $114,000 a year, and he's talking about trying to increase it by uh, another $60,000 He's playing games with Social Security to try to maximize his benefit while others are starving in the streets, Pat. Well, of course he is, (laughs) (laughs) because he's human. (laughs) No, Obviously, I don't have the, the lifestyle of Jeff Bezos. I know you, you don't. understand, but we don't see <laughs> we, the, the, the the senators aren't taking buses across the country to go to Washington. They're flying in a plane because, <laughs> right? <laughs> I would at that number. I would I would take it. Yeah, and I, I mean the, the the way to really go through this is to run the numbers, see the differences, and then put some what if scenarios on that, and you could. Go to what? our go to our website and watch our social yeah. security webinar. Yeah. Anyway, appreciate the call. We'll be back with more All Worth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McClain. Hey, we'd love to take your call. If you want to call us, 833-99-WORTH. It's 833-999-6784. Particularly if someone's trying to sell you some financial product and you want a second opinion. Um, even if you're excited about doing something with your finances, would love to give you a second opinion. Please. <laughs> 833-999-6784. We're talking with Ken. Ken, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Ken. What can uh, we do for you? I have a quick question. It should be easy for you. I, I currently have five bicycles I ride in race and plus or minus 15 years before retirement. I'm wondering how much money I'll need to set aside in order to keep and ride quality bicycles through my retirement. Oh, right. <laughs> so are you are you talking about... If you're, like, good, if you're good enough, nothing, because you'll be sponsored. Are you talking like an S-Works Roubaix or what kind of bikes are we talking about here? You know, I, I'm kind of a, I'm an entry-level high-end cyclist, so I'd say, you know, you know we're talking about $3,000 bikes. So the question is, how much money do I need to buy bikes? Or how? how so yeah, I, are uh, you asking how much additional capital am I going to need set aside to fund my hobby? Or well, I set aside I set aside a bike fund. It's in cash, and I realized that I've got a long, long list of bicycles in my future. And I thought, how can I possibly take this cash and make it? Um, invested or have a vehicle that will help ease the uh my bicycling habit in my retirement years. the best way to take care of that is to have more money saved for retirement that's right that's right I, or have a great pension and so what do you have saved? And we can work backwards but that's yeah I mean, so, that's the so solution the idea so you said how many years 15 years yeah 15 years or so okay and so how much money I'll do you probably, have saved probably, for retirement now Probably not quite enough. I'm at a couple hundred thousand dollars right now. Are so, you married? Um, married, yeah. Kids? I have a, a simplified employee pension. Kids, yeah, they're all grown. They're all out of the house. And you have a SEP. Yeah. You're self-employed? Yeah. yeah. Do you have any employees? Social Security. And, no. No employees. And what's your annual and, income? About a hundred thousand. And how much are you saving in your SEP every year? I can only fund it with about, I think it's seven or 8000 Well, you could fund a lot more money into a self-directed 401k, um, what they call Unikays. Um, they're easier to manage than the SEPs typically, and they have higher limits. Uh, the SEPs are pretty antiquated um, in terms of the limits. Uh, and one way to look at this is 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 saying, all right, if I'm going to be, if I, I don't know how many new bikes you want to buy per year, but let's say let's say it's four thousand dollars you want to pay for cycling equipment on an annual basis. If we look at a kind of rule of thumb, four percent withdrawal rule, that means you'd need a hundred thousand dollars earmarked 
to spin off four thousand dollars to ride a bike for bicycle equipment. Okay, that that's one way to view it. Yeah, and you don't have a pension. It, how much do you owe on your home? Uh, we're about about three hundred. Okay. So here's you need to put the financial plan together. You asked about bicycles, and we're, and we're talking yeah. about retirement, uh, because you might get enough yeah. money to actually put buy a bike, but if you don't have the time to ride it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and and I mean, there's we all make trade offs with our finances, uh, unless you're Jeff Bezos or whatever. <laughs> so most of us make some sort of trade offs with our finances, and some retirees say we like to travel a lot, or we like to. We're foodies, and we like to go and, and travel and focus on food and wine. And other people say, "I want to, f- I have money I spend on these sort of things." That's quite normal. And for you, it's 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 bicycling. So it it might be yeah, at, at yeah. the level your your retirement saving now, you're probably not going to want to be able to do everything you would hope to do in retirement. And then at that point in time, it's probably saying, "All right, what's most important to me?" And if I, I maybe if it's doing these bicycle racing, that's totally get it but it might be to the cost of something else you could be doing but if you were my little brother just i would just say you know pay your home off in 15 years so that you don't have an outgoing mortgage and save 15 to 20 percent of your, okay and save 15 to 20 percent of uh, your income 15 to 20 percent okay. of your income okay. all right yep that's gonna that's your best bet to get okay. you to where you need and to go, go really wow. aggressive go 100 percent equity well, how old you can uh, 58. No, don't go 100% equities. Well, I thought he said 15 years he's going to retire. You're 58. Well, I got. I figure I'm going to be working for a long time. So. Yeah, don't go 100% equities. I thought you were. <laughs> I thought you were like 45 or 50. Uh, no, you want to go 60, 40. Yeah, but and you, you've got to get much more aggressive in your savings. Yeah, this the savings that, that you're. I think you know that as well. You're behind on that, and, and it might mean. Um, well, you already plan on working 15 years, so that might be the Or you could do plan. what some of my clients do that are big bike riders. They trade bikes constantly and break even on every trade somehow. What do you mean trade them? They, they buy used bikes, clean them up, sell them, buy used race bikes, ride them for a year, turn them around. So I have five bikes that I ride, five different bikes, all five different uses. Do you? Yeah. Some I don't ride very much. Like I have a single-speed hardtail mountain bike that it's a beast of a workout in the hills, and so I don't do it very often. But I... And I bought it, I bought that used from a buddy of mine, and uh, I, I I I tend to buy a new bike every couple of years and never get rid of the old ones. No, I do. Oh, you do. But I, oh, you have got, five separate. I've got a gravel bike. I've got a road bike. I've got a, uh, a trail bike, a full suspension trail bike, and a full suspension cross country bike. Wow. And a hardtail mountain bike. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and and they're they're important to me. And I used to uh, years ago skimp a little more on bikes, and now I, yeah, I don't buy the top of the top of the line because there's my, it's, it's kind of like wine, right? I mean, it, it, certain things that you, you yeah, start the marginal, the, yeah, the, the marginal increase is so negligible for the huge dollars. So I don't buy the top top, but I, I tend to buy a decent bike, and <laughs> and funny. I get it. It's a, why is that funny? Huh? I never imagined you had five bikes. I have. I have two that are ride, but my wife just, we bought an, an electric bike. I don't know why. She said so she can ride with her friends, but it's nice. She rides an electric bike. I ride a road bike. We go out together, ride. Who was I teasing the other day? He bought a bike to keep up with, an electric bike to keep up with his wife. <laughs> I said, you know, <laughs> you can't do that anymore. Can't do what? Make that yeah, comment? Yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> You're not allowed. <laughs> What? You're not allowed. I could do my, this guy. I, I forget where I was. Dave Chappelle, man. Oh, come on. <laughs> you can't do that. I, too, have friends, though, that guys tend to be later 50s or 60s. Okay. Look, the reality is my, my wife and I, I love dearly. We've been married 29 years. Our first date was a run. She's been very active, but the reality is her body is not... It's 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 hasn't it's tougher for her to do the things that I do, and she just can't quite keep up. So like your she used friend to. though bought an electric bike to keep up with his wife. Yes, well, that's good enough. All right, and we're gonna leave it just <laughs> at that. <laughs> there's no there's no benefit in us discussing no, this anymore. No, 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 no. We're moving on to a completely new topic in San Jose. Talking to Opal. Opal, you're with uh, All Worth Money Matters. Uh, hello there. Hi. Oh my gosh, I'm starstruck. Oh my gosh. Wow. 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 I feel a little funny now. 
All right, Opal. What can we do for you? I'm blushing. By the way, if my wife was listening, she'd be rolling in laughter right now. Stars. <laughs> Just Stars. wow. I'm talking to you guys. How about first a... time? First time caller. Um, I've been listening to you guys for a while. I just I love the show. Well, thank you. Um, I really have two questions, but I'll. Is that is that legal? I can ask two. Yeah, questions? you can. Yeah. yeah, it's our show. Yeah. So, and okay. the, particularly the way you started, you could ask as many oh, questions yes, as you like. Oh, you could, you could stay on. We'll keep you on in the second hour. <laughs> what could we do for you, Opal? Okay, first question. Okay, you, scenario. This is just there's a concept I'm trying to find out. Okay, here's a scenario you have a portfolio with 60% stocks and 40% bonds. Let's say that the stock side is you've got two mutual funds. Um, and they're thirty percent weighted each. Okay. Let's say that they drift over time. You know, the the, the market does what it does, and it goes to twenty five, twenty five percent, thirty five percent. Uh huh. It's still balanced. That portfolio is still balanced sixty forty, but the stocks are wonky. Mm-hmm. Yep. Should those stocks be rebalanced? Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. Right. So what, 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 and, what? And, 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 and balancing, this is really, particularly as we're getting close to retirement, we're talking about given our highest probability of maintaining our standard, same standard of living in lifetime, during our lifetime. The way we manage uh, retirement assets and the way a lot of other advisory firms do is let, let's say, let's say we have a portfolio that has 40% stocks. We own a variety of different types of stocks, mostly through passive and uh, vehicles, but we might have uh, 12% and a large cap growth stock we might have nine percent and a large cap value and then we'll have some in a mid cap and some in a small cap etc and each different equity position has its own kind of tolerance zones that we will allow them to be in so if we're shooting for let's say seven percent in a particular style of equity when that moves up to nine percent or moves down to five percent whatever those Tolerances are on those particular. Then we will do a rebalance to bring it back into our original allocation. And so in in IRAs, it's really easy. So we take the whole portfolios and we run them through a screen once a week to see if they're intolerance. But in addition to that, anytime we have large chunks of money coming in or out of the portfolio, we use that as an opportunity to rebalance the portfolio as well, as well to put it back in tolerance. So you watch this tolerance thing really, really closely, and it goes above the stock tolerance. It goes to the stock versus bond portions of the portfolio tolerance. So last year, would we rebalance our portfolios four times? I think four times. Um, which turned out really, really well. And it wasn't that we were prognosticating where I mean, the some market of was going to go. Two, oh, two to 3% additional return through the um, rebalances. Because we were, if the portfolios got overweighted stocks, we would sell off stocks and then buy bonds. And if they got underweighted um, stocks, then we would sell bonds and buy stocks. It's easy to do in IRAs because there's no tax ramifications. Right. If it's an after-tax account or a brokerage account, what happens is that it actually takes some you actually have to look at the portfolio and decide whether the trade-off from the tax obligation is worth that or right. not, or are there losses that could be harvested, or should we be recognizing gains, and what's happening in the overall financial situation of a person's life that would cause us to actually manage those monies a little bit differently? Are these dollars in IRAs? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's under the umbrella. Okay, so well, it's, it's uh, easy. Then you build this little model and you check it. You know, at least if you're doing it yourself, you should check it yes. at least once a month to see if it's intolerance. Okay, got it, got it. That makes sense. Okay, um, okay, that's very helpful. Okay. okay, that was your first uh, question. You said you had two. My second question is okay. So let's go back to the sixty forty portfolio mm-hmm. that we just built out. Okay, so let's say we got. We, let's talk about the bonds this time. You got forty percent bonds, so you've got. I'm just making up some stuff. You've got short term, long term, um, ultra short, and of course we're in investment grade. We don't have any junk. Okay. Okay. So right now, interest rates are basically, as they say, oh dot nothing. Yep. Um, but bonds are doing well because they're so low. What are you going to do with your with your clients' money, their their bond portfolios, when interest rates go up? Let's say it goes up to five percent, just for fun. 
would you gonna, well, what what are you going to do with your with your client's um, portfolio? Well, the, the the damage would be have had done by then if interest rates go to five percent because it would have been priced in the portfolio. Is interest rates rise? Obviously, then bond values and it's, fall. A, it's actually the bond values that is what drives interest rates, right? Um, not really the other way around. And uh, I mean, I, for for us in in the current environment, we we. We monitor where the environment is on a regular basis, but in the current environment, we tend to be much shorter in our duration, over okay. overall duration in, in the portfolio than we would be at other periods of time. And so, if interest rates rose, we probably looked at it as an opportunity to, to, to actually extend, go with a longer, extend our maturity to have longer rate, longer term bonds. Longer rate. Yeah, not today. But if interest rates go up, so if you look at the yield curve in this, we, we, this I remember one, I remember getting people government bonds at around eight percent. Remember people like oh, it's, I, they were higher than that, obviously. But I remember my people, own personal experience when I started in the nine, early nineties, where we could actually take people's pensions and actually buy government bonds and actually had higher yields with less that's risk right. in it. Yeah, I remember, remember that? Too, that? Yeah. Pension so buyout. What yeah. happens though is if interest rates go up and the yield curve returns to a more normalized yield curve, then you may want to go out longer in the term of the bond. But that's after the interest rates go up, not before. Definitely not before. Right, so when you said if it happens, it and it may who knows when that's going to be. But if it happens, the damage would have already been done. If I own long bonds and the interest rates go up, I've already taken the hit to the portfolio. What's the point in in shortening the maturities or changing the oh, maturities at that point in time? You have to do it before, not so not right after. Now, so right now, everything should be short, shorter well, duration, relatively. Relatively, I wouldn't be buying thirty year. Tons of thirty-year bonds in this environment, but someone is. Someone is. That's what. And, and loving them. That's why rates are low. Yeah, someone's buying them. And we've we seen some of these governments that come out with fifty-year bonds and hundred-year bonds. Someone's heard buying that. them. We haven't heard that lately, but uh, someone's buying them. So that's so how you want to think about the bonds. If you're worried about an interest rate environment that's going up, then shorten the maturities on your bonds today, I mean, and then live with a lower rate of return and less risk. And a challenge uh, we get. It's like. It's really hard having some a portion of your portfolio that's not gaining a lot right now. It's what it is. But what are your alternatives? Increase risk? And if that's the case, what might that mean to your future financial life? And it's okay in re- increasing risk if, as long as you know what you're doing and why you're doing it and you're willing to actually live with that. The worst thing you can do is increase risk. Then all of a sudden, the risk premium comes due, which is a downfall in the market. And you're like, oh, I don't want to pay this. Well, it's too late. Damage is done. The damage is done. So whatever portfolio you build, you should build it to live through market cycles, multiple market cycles. Yeah. And it sounds like you're very methodical in your approach and – Oh yeah. Well, basically speaking, I visit. I visit every. I visit. I call it the babies. I visit the babies every day to see how we're doing. Okay, the and, babies. And they, one like right now, um, somebody the, the stocks are a little bit wonky right now, which is which is which has triggered this question. Well, I don't like, think it's healthy to visit the babies every day. I think that what you want to do is build a portfolio that I like doesn't. The way Warren Buffett said it. If you thought about it, any stock you bought, this is the last company you can ever buy. It's kind of his approach to things. But looking at the portfolios every day isn't helping. What what helps is to actually build an investment thesis and then stick to it diligently without changing it as long as you're comfortable with the investment thesis. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, okay. I'm quite happy with what, what, you know, what I've done. It's just like, like right now, it's like, wait, you're kind of, you're kind of drifting right now. I'm, I'm, okay. watch, I'm watching you. Well, then, then run it through a tolerance screen and bring it back into tolerance. And if you're worried about interest rates, shorten the maturities on the bonds. Yeah, everything's short, right? Everything is very short. There you go. I was, yeah. Wonderful. Alrighty. Well, thank uh, you very much for listening. And uh, if you could, if you listen on a podcast, if you'd be so kind as to give us yeah. a review, give us a review. Yeah. Also, w- w- one last thing. All right, sure. we did say I you like- can ask as many questions as possible. Okay. <laughs> but there's only seven uh, minutes and forty six seconds left in the show. So I like cru- I like cruises. Okay. I heard your comment. Oh Sorry. yeah, yeah. That's okay. Listen. Yeah. 
That's why they they have uh, different uh, types of travel for different types of people, <laughs> right? Yeah. I have clients that live for cruises. Oh, I had one who's been on 70-some-odd cruises. They love it. Good for them. Yeah. That's I've his main thing. Like the earlier guy who on bikes, just, I've been thinking about this. He, they, they love cruises. Yeah. And I love them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been on 29. I love it's them. Good, it's a good thing. Um, You've been on 29 cruises. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Mike, do the cruises. And I think I love yeah. you too, Opal. Anyone who starts <laughs> off the show, is the so All I right. appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. the call. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, go to Virginia and talk with Dean. Dean, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Hey, did, I, I was, you know, during this whole COVID thing, my daughter was home from college and was extremely bummed. And I was trying to explain to her about 100-year events, you know, 100-year floods, 100-year hurricanes, 100-year pandemic pandemics. And my brain started going towards what's the next thing, and it was the 1930s with the Great Depression and everything. Just happens to be that I'm about 10 years out from retirement, and I'm just wondering what the next 100-year event's going to be financially. What's the black swan that I got to look out for? Because that's really the only thing that concerns me right now about my retirement plan is what what unknown thing, what, what big thing is lurking out there. This is a really interesting question because I would have thought the pandemic would have possibly sparked a hundred year uh, recession, something in the meltdown in the markets. At the very beginning, and I don't. I don't, frankly, consider it a hundred-year pandemic when you had things like smallpox that uh, killed thirty percent. No, no, <laughs> no. But, but but how that would have actually uh, reflected itself in the overall markets, right? Yeah. So, I mean, by by their very nature, I mean, I know there's like hundred-year floods. We can just look at history, see this. This, but it's not really every hundred years either. Yeah, That's correct. just kind of a. Uh, you go over the last couple thousand years, it appears that we've had 20 of these. So let's call it every 100 years. But you can have well, these we had 99 in the stock market. We had 99 in 2008. And those were considered, right, major downturns in the market. Yeah, the downturn between the year 2000, peak of the market in 2000 and 2002. It was uh, two and a half years in duration. The market kept going down almost 50%. And they said it was a generational Bear market until five years later, when <laughs> down again, uh, generational, right? So, right. but but what are what are, what are the alternatives? So, what are the alternatives? Keep your money in cash. What happens if we run into an inflationary environment? Gold. Okay. Yeah. What determines the value Guns. of gold? Guns. Right. What? And the, the, that's so. That's kind of my thing. I, I've been loyal to the stock market for thirty years. And I've built a nice, tidy nest egg, but I just have this feeling in the back of my brain that I'm missing something. Okay. I mean, look, if we go through a time when there's a reset in our economy, whatever that might look like, a complete sort of reset. Uh, you mean a government and societal reset to socialism? Or, or-, or maybe the inflation was like in Germany in the early 30s where... I mean, it was such hyperinflation that it's nothing mattered. Yeah. And, oh, and maybe that there's confiscation of, of private property and some of those. Things. I mean, yeah, a complete reset. Then I suppose you, if that was what you wanted to protect against, and it sounds like maybe that's what you're something so outlandish, then maybe you take some small portion of your portfolio and you make sure you've got a little cabin somewhere in the woods and with a well. And, and I'm not kidding. I mean, this, if this is really what you want to try to protect. People against, do this. People do this. I don't, and I just figure I'll figure I'll, whatever comes. I'll figure out how to navigate my way through it. But uh, and I don't begrudge those that 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 prepare prepare for those things. But but if you're gonna do that, make sure it's just a piece of your portfolio and a small piece of your portfolio, and you're not betting your future retirement on some hundred year flood that may or may not happen in your lifetime. True. Right. True. Because yep. I mean, I yep. think back to the year the Y2K thing. And I knew people who were freaking out about Y2K, got out of a bunch of stuff, building um, shelters for themselves and all kinds of things. And then, of course, that was a non-event. Yeah. We could worry about lots of yeah. things. The important thing well, is to I have a well-diversified portfolio. 
And that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Is I'm I, I listen to you guys a lot, and I've got. And by the way, I gave you a review, a very good thank review. You. Well, thank you. Thank um, you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do try to keep a diversified portfolio. I just sometimes have these thoughts creep in. We all do. Unusual. But we've, we, we've been used to we all do. living to pa- in an unusual time for the last 18 well, uh, to 24 oh, months. So uh, we, we, it's caused me to think more negatively. Oh, oh Dean, uh, where are, we uh, all do. I mean, we all do. It's, it's, it, uh, it's part of being a human being is that there's always a little bit of danger lurking out there, right? It's, it's, it's flight yeah. or fight. It, right? But the and re- investing by its very nature... We get compensated when we take risk, which is contrary to our natural tendencies. Our natural tendencies, yeah. we've, we got to protect ourselves. We run away from things that are going to harm us. And if, when we have volatile yeah. investments, things that are going to return the most in the long term, those are the things they feel th- th- like they're going to harm us. And we have to somehow lean into that and be comfortable with that in spite of... That's why actually most the, the I believe that most investments investors would do better if they didn't actually get statements. Um, well, yeah, you're <laughs> tongue in cheek on that, but that's correct. Yes. Well, the studies show the more you you, you, you trade and, and the worse your returns. The, the, yeah, versus getting. But look, I mean, last, there's, there, there's a laundry list of things we can all worry about today, uh, and it, it, there's, there's some real concern. I think if you look at our government structure and the kind of. A partisanship and the divide on all, all areas. And this COVID, if you don't think that this has created a larger economic divide in our society in the United States, oh my, it's awful. I it is, it's terrible. It, college enrollment is down 21% from where it was two years ago. And what's 21%. that? 21%. Yep. What's that? That's going to show up in the economics in five years yep, and sorry. 10 years from now. That's tra- anyway, Dean, we're, we're out of time. I wouldn't, I, I don't spend a lot of time worrying about things. I try to pr- pr- uh, plan for the, the best, but prepare for the worst, right? In in your overall portfolio, and I think you'll be good. So before we sign off here, I uh, want to uh, let you know we have our featured article on our website this week is no 401k, don't have a 401k, what are your other options? So if you're working, saving for retirement, don't have a 401k, it'll talk about some other options. And if you don't get our weekly newsletter, consider signing up. Uh, we've got a, a good, a great newsletter. Uh, once a quarter, Andy Stout, our chief investment officer, does a market update and all kinds of great stuff there. So thanks for, for being part of our program, and uh, we'll see you next week. This has been All Worth's Money Matters with Scott Hanson and Pat McLean. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.